Thanks for sharing that, Kathy. That's great. Um, okay. So, how is everybody? How are you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I always wonder how tall I look up here. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I was back there, so no. But, um, yeah, I think Pastor looks kind of just like right, but I know that he's like down here compared to where I am. Anyways, um, we uh, have a great pastor, and I am too glad that we have people in our church that can fill in for him and that they can have a little break here. Um, so, who's been watching the Olympics? I have. Um, I love the Olympics, by the way. So if, if anybody wants to talk to me about that, I can talk all day. Um, but I'm not talking about the Olympics today. But I am talking about a current event, kind of. Can anybody guess what I'm going to be talking about? Nothing? Nothing's going on in the world. <laughs> okay, let's wake up and smell the roses here. Okay, fair. That's fair. Well, what's on Friday? Besides Shannon's birthday. Happy birthday, Shannon. <laughs> Valentine's Day is Friday, everybody. So all the guys in the room, there's your reminder. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not talking about Valentine's Day, though. I'm talking about, huh? No. I'm talking about roses. We see them everywhere, right? I mean, they're everywhere. They're right there and there and there. And everywhere. But, um, so it's Valentine's Day, so I thought it would be appropriate to look at the rose, because, I mean, they are everywhere. And, first of all, isn't it strange that we have a holiday where we give away roses and it's the middle of winter outside? I mean, they're not growing anywhere. So, if we look at roses, what do we think of? Anybody? Petals? Sweetness. Sweetness. <laughs> Love, yes. Well, the rose has many different... It's a symbol of many different things. It's like the symbol of rugby in England and um, love and romance and all this kind of stuff. And actually, when I look at roses, I think of... The Hodges aren't here right now, but I always think of that song, uh, Rose Garden by Lynn Anderson. Do you guys know that? How does it go? I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Yeah. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure how I know all these old songs. That was like 40 years older than me, myself. So, Yeah, but it's a good song. So I always think of the Hodges when I think of that. It's funny. But in the end, when we look at roses, what I think is that they really tell us a great story, and they tell us something about ourselves that we should really be heeding the call to. So what I'm going to do is I'm literally going to go from the ground up with the anatomy of a rose and see what we can draw from the lessons that we see in a rose. Um, and exhibit A, right? Because they're everywhere. Um, so to start off, let's turn to Song of Solomon. So if we look... When I was starting this lesson, I thought, I wonder where roses are in the Bible. Because, I mean, 
You commonly see it in pop culture and everywhere else that roses are always referred to or used in metaphors like Shakespeare wrote, um, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, or there are multiple songs about it. So I'm not going to go through all those. But if we go to Song of Solomon 115, this is one, one of the few places where a rose, much less any other flower in the Bible, is ever named. And it says, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. I should tell you guys that the Song of Solomon is kind of like a love drama. It like goes back between two different characters. And one of them is the beloved, who is Solomon. And then the other one is Shulamite. The Shulamite, they call her. And nobody really knows who it is. A lot of, peop- a lot of scholars think she is um, the daughter of Pharaoh. But nobody knows for sure, because she's never named. And she says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our house is our cedar, and our rafters of fir. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. So that's what she says when she's going through this kind of romantic drama that they're going through here. And... It says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Hmm. It's interesting, you know? I don't think it gains much merit for the rose in any sense, though. So, um, another reference to it is Isaiah 35. And in this verse, they're talking about the um, future glory of Jerusalem, which is also called Zion. And it says, 35.1, Isaiah 35.1 says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. So, and there, even there it's used as a metaphor. And it's interesting because the rose, it, it, it was very prevalent in Israel during Jesus' time. And it really is found everywhere, from very temperate regions to um, near the equator. It's a very resilient flower. It can stand winters and everything else. So you have to understand that it's kind of a universal theme that everybody picks up on here. Um, so, and what I found was interesting was the rose is one of three flowers in the whole Bible that's ever really mentioned. Um, and it kind of, the other ones, if you're interested, are the lily and the campfire. I have no idea what those are. No idea. Um, but there is also Narcissus and the crocus, and they were kind of... Uh, variously referred to as roses as well. So, as we're looking at the rose, what does the rose come off of? Does it just grow by itself? It comes off a bush, yes. So, yes. So rose trees and rose bushes. And what we have to understand and take from this lesson is that roses must rely on other roses to grow. So the thing about all plants is that they can't just sit there and expect to thrive on their own. They need sunlight, they need pruning, they need water, and if they're left on their own, 
it's funny roses because I've I've actually worked um, in a rose garden before, and that's where I got a giant bacterial rash. But <laughs> but when I was when I was starting there, it was choking itself out. There were weeds everywhere, and the plant itself was intertwining with itself. And when it can't get sunlight on its own, it doesn't grow. It doesn't blood. There weren't bud, there weren't flowers on it at all. It was just kind of a big thorny bush. And it was just a huge tangled mess. And the thing is, we need somebody who cultivates us and is there for us. And what I think of when I, when I think of somebody cultivating and making sure that we have enough water or sunlight, I think of uh, Jesus as a good shepherd. So turn to John 10 with me. So John ten eleven. Then Jesus said to them, verse 7, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not know his own sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So what this is saying is that we need somebody who is our advocate, who takes care of us. And if we have somebody that is flighty and is taking care of the sheep one day, but then when trouble comes, they leave. That's not a good thing. Um, And God is a good shepherd, as opposed to a hireling. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. So we really need that. Um, Another thing is that we need each other. And that's where the shrub analogy comes in, or the tree analogy. And so if we go to Romans 12, 3 through 5, we can see how that uh, is talked about. And when we think of needing each other, we're talking about the church, right? The body of Christ. Romans 12, 3 through 5 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think somberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now what's that saying? Exactly. That's why I thought it tied in so well. Yep, yep. Exactly. And roses to bud and bloom, they need each other's pollen. And that's spread by um, bees or other birds or some. And it's just, we need each other to come alongside each other and edify each other. And that way we grow. So another, what is another thing that a rose has? And it's a common one. Thorns. Thorns. 
Yes, every rose has its thorn. As to quote poison. (laughs) So there's that. Um, So there's misconception about roses, actually, because thorns, they're not actually a thing. The proper term is prickles, which doesn't have quite a ring to it. But they are these little hooks that that um, roses have on their stems and near their bloom, near the blossom there. And they're there to ward off other animals that want to eat the fruit of the, of the rose and also to climb up buildings and different structures to get sunlight and make sure that they survive. Um, and another thing which I found was interesting is that a lot of roses are actually found in the desert. So the thorns, as there's wind sweeping across the plain, the thorns make sure that enough sand is around the base so that the roots aren't bare. So I found that really interesting. Um, so let's go to Second Timothy 3. And this is like one of my favorite passages and verses, guys. Ah. All right. So 2 Timothy 3.10 is where we're going to start. Oh, I'm at the wrong place. Where am I going? Okay. Or I didn't put a bookmark there. Sorry. All right, 2 Timothy 3.10 says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you think about it, our prickles, if we're to fulfill this analogy of the rose being us. Our prickles are the word of God. And as we go through life and endure the world outside of us, we need defense. And really, the word of God is our defense. And it even says in the Bible um, that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we're given a tool like the word of God, we really need to use it. And we really need to... We need to study it every day, and we need to make sure that we understand it, because when we have that kind of tool, that's what keeps us stable. That's what keeps, um, that's what keeps us alive in this world, especially in our current times. And it says earlier in that chapter... 
But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. It goes on and on and on. And you know what? What combats that is the word of God. And we need to know that. It's not enough to just read the daily bread once a day and call it good, you know. We actually need to get in there and dig and really understand what God is trying to say to us. Now, another part of the rose, and this I don't think this is very common that people know that because it doesn't come on like a bouquet of flowers, and it's the rose hip. What's the rose hip? It's not... No, it's not. See, I would think too. It's the fruit. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's a little berry, and it's usually dark red. Some of them are like a magenta, even a black color. And some of them are very, like, very, very bright red too. It's interesting. And this is something that I didn't know until recently. But rose hips are made into jams, jellies, marmalade tea, and they're also used for skin and makeup products. And um, it's also very good for you if you eat it. I probably wouldn't recommend picking them off a flower bush and popping them in the oven or something. Yep, see, I wouldn't be good. I don't know that kind of stuff. But see, they're a great source of vitamin C. And they were in, in... not currently, I don't think, but like in traditional times. They were used in herbal medicines for stomach, stomach problems. And also currently they're being used in the search for a cure for cancer. So it's interesting to see what, how all parts of the rose are, is being utilized. And um, see, what we need to do is we need to bear good and useful fruit because... If we don't bear any fruit, number one, a rose, that's how they're planted, is when a bird comes and takes the fruit, and then it eats it and digests it and poops up the seeds. You know, we can't spread the word of God if we don't bear good and useful fruit. Right? So, it all comes around. Let birds poop out the word of God. <laughs> Maybe this analogy wasn't that great. <laughs> but John 15. All right, John 15, 1. John 15, 1 through 8. says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. 
If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So what's that saying? It says it about 20 times. He who abides in me, unless you abide in me, if you abide in me, it's said, yeah, literally like 15 times. What we need to do to bear good fruit is abide in God. And how do we do that? We spend time in his word. So abide in him. Says it. 15, 1 through 8. Um, and another thing, and this is probably the most famous part of the rose, is the petals. Yes. And this is what I'm saying here, is that you should... Share your talents and let your talents be known to others around you, especially in the church. So I found this interesting. The petals, they're probably the most known because they're so vibrant. They're usually not red is what I learned. They're usually pink. Pink or white, but never red, which is weird. I know that um, a lot of roses are hybrids and stuff like that. But... um, the petals also can be used for a lot of things. Any guesses on? Uh, I can just tell you guys. Um, so, like the rose hip, they're used to flavor tea. Um, another thing is to make rose scones and marshmallows. I've never heard of that before. Has anybody ever had a rose marshmallow? I don't, I don't even know. I think Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> but actually, Wikipedia, I just learned that like 95% of the information on there is accurate, which is better than the Encyclopedia and Britannica. So you can take that to the bank. <laughs> also, it's used to create rose cream, which is it's like a delicacy in England. And it's like fondant. You know what they use on Cake Boss to cover cakes as frosting substitute? It's a fondant. A rose-flavored fondant, and it's covered in chocolate. I want to try that. Um, And it's also candied rose petals are a thing, so there's that. And also, obviously, perfume. It's from taken from the adder of roses, which is um, distilled steamed rose petals. So that's interesting. Um, So let's go to 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. And this is the last verse I have tonight. I have my mom got this Bible makes return the last time I preached I think in October this is the first time I actually use this Bible I have another Bible at home but yeah it's huge I don't know (laughs) I got it for Christmas so thank you but it is very large it's bigger than my head look at this (laughs) bigger than my head okay First Peter 4, 7 through 11. I get sidetracked really easy. I'm like a squirrel. Okay, 4, 7 through 11. Here we go. 
But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is what we were talking about, what you were talking about before and what Kathy was talking about. When we have gifts, we need to share them with other believers. And this is exactly what the rose does. Every part of the rose is used for something, and it all has a purpose. And I think that's, there's nothing that God doesn't do. How am I going to phrase this? There is nothing that God does that doesn't have a purpose. And I think the rose, it's a real symbol that we should follow and look at. So in the end, roses, as we just read, above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Roses are about love. Go figure. Valentine's Day, right? Um, so when you think about the rose, what should we think about as we think about the different parts? So the shrub, we should rely on others to grow. The prickles, we should defend and stay strong, or stay strong and defend our beliefs as Christians. The rose hip, we should bear good and useful fruit. And the petals, we should share our talents or let other people see your talents in the church. So when we see a bunch of roses February or right now, Think of the beautiful and fantastically smelling example that God has provided. Not with the rose only, but everything he creates. Yes, that's it. So I don't know, I don't know if we have time for a lot of prayer, but I think we have some. We have some. We, have some. we do. Well, that was excellent. I never, never quite thought of it that way. But God does have a purpose for everything that that He creates and everything that He He uh, administrates, administrates. <laughs>